Good morning. I'm glad you could be with me today as together we get into God's Word, looking at it verse by verse, unfolding it so that we can better understand why God spoke and what He intends us to do about the things that He said. We're in the midst of an extended verse by verse study of the book of Romans. We've just started it, but nonetheless, we're into it. Today, I want to pick up our reading in Romans chapter 1, starting in verse 8, which we examined yesterday, and reading on through verse 11. First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you, because your faith is proclaimed in all of the world. For God is my witness, whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of his Son, that without ceasing I mention you always in my prayers, asking that somehow by God's will I may now at last succeed in coming to you. I'm going to stop there actually at the end of verse 10 today. Yesterday, we were looking at verse 8 and examining Paul's thankfulness for the Roman believers. Back in verse 5 of the chapter 1 of Romans, we discovered that part of the obligation that God has laid on us is the charge to be sharing our faith, to seek to bring about the obedience of faith in the lost in this world. Paul, in verse 8, was telling us that one of the sources of thanksgiving in his life was the reality that Rome, not Rome as a city, but the Roman church, the believers who made it up, were actually doing that, sharing, proclaiming. He was thankful for their effectiveness and growth. He heard of their sharing with other people. And we ended yesterday by talking about that the proof a core proof, not the only proof, but a core proof that someone has really come to know Christ as Savior, is seen when they commit themselves to sharing that good news about Christ with other people. Because there's a very important connection between believing and proclaiming. Later in the book of Romans, in chapter 10, verses 9 and 10, I read that to you yesterday, I'll read it again, we see that connection. Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. For it's with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. A clear link between proclaiming and believing. It's not that we're saved by proclaiming, but if we're saved, we ought to be proclaiming. And there should be this natural progression. So what do people see about you? in terms of proclamation. Well, building on that foundation today in verses 9 and 10, we find that Paul says, Roman believers, I want you to understand that I am consistently praying for you. I am bringing you before God. I care about you enough to pray for you. Now, let me say, the irony here, and don't I, want you, I don't want you to miss it because it's an important irony for us in this fallen world. In his pre-Christian days, before encountering the Lord Jesus on the road to Damascus, Paul, as a Jew, must have wished harm, not well-being, on the Romans. If he ever prayed for the Romans, I'm not talking just about the church, but I mean Romans in general, he, like other Jews, were probably praying for their defeat probably praying for their destruction. They were the hated conquerors, the cause of much violence and 
unjust responses within the framework of the Holy Land in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and beyond. That would have been his attitude. But now, at the very capital of Rome, there were people who had come to know Christ who were Romans. And now he was praying for them in a very different way. The miracle of a transformed mind when it came to prayer. You see, as we come to know Christ in our life, God changes us and we now are called by God to see others differently, particularly others who have placed their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. I was thinking how this is put in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 16 and 17. Listen to these verses. For from now on, we regard no one according to the flesh, even though we once regarded even Christ according to the flesh. We regard him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, meaning having responded to the gospel, he is a new creation. The old has passed away, the new has come. Paul said, I don't look at people the same anymore. <laughs> if they have come to know Christ, if they are in Christ, if they've responded to this gospel that we've been looking at in this point in the book of Romans, if they've responded to that, they're new creations. They're different people. They, weren't, they are no longer who they once were. And Paul says, I look at you Romans this way. I see you differently. <laughs> I am actually praying before the Lord for your good day by day. Transformed thinking. Are you praying for former enemies who have come to know Christ? Are you seeing them differently? If Paul found grace in the Lord and enablement from the Holy Spirit to do that toward hated Romans, <laughs> so can you and so can I. Well, at any rate, Paul says, I'm praying for you, but he also says, listen, I'm not just praying for you, which would be revolutionary enough, given what I just described to you. But Paul says, I am praying consistently for you. He says, without ceasing, I mention you in my prayers, without ceasing. The Greek word translated without ceasing means consistently, sort of a daily activity, in contrast to something that's done sporadically. Paul said, listen, if you want to understand my day-to-day -day world, how I approach life day-to-day, -day, understand that one of the things that characterizes my day-by-day -day existence is that I'm praying for you. You are in my mind, in my heart, and I'm praying for you before the Father. I don't just pray sporadically. I feel an obligation to be bringing you before the Father, and, you, and I act on that obligation. I'm thinking about Paul in this way, and I'm reminded of an Old Testament saint, the Judge Samuel, and he talks about prayer and the obligation of praying for God's people in this way in the book of 1 Samuel, chapter 12, verse 23. He says, Moreover, as for me, far be it from me that I should sin against the Lord by ceasing to pray for you, and I will instruct you in the good and right way. Brothers and sisters, he says, ceasing to pray for you would be sinning. Do you see prayer for a brother or sister in the Lord 
in that sort of serious manner that to decide I'm not going to pray for them is really sinning against the Lord. The sobering truth, isn't it? Well, Paul, even in the case of the formerly hated Romans, is praying without ceasing daily. It's part of his habit to bring their needs before the Lord. A very dramatic change. And notice that he says, God, whom I serve in the gospel, he is my witness of this. What do I mean by that? Paul said, I assume you're going to doubt my words when I say to you that I'm praying for you consistently without ceasing in this fashion. I'm going to assume you're going to doubt that word. So in anticipation of that, I am calling God as my actual witness that this is what I'm doing for you. Paul understood, as you understand, and as I understand, that it's hard to believe, really, people when they say they'll pray for us. Often when somebody says, I'll pray for you, it seems more like an attempt to momentarily comfort us than an actual commitment on their part to be praying consistently for the issue that we're needing them to pray about. That's the reality, isn't it? And Paul knew that. And so he says, God's my witness about this. I'm calling God as my witness. <laughs> I'm serious. I'm praying for you. And I'm praying for you daily. Did he spend the same amount of time in prayer every day? No, of course not. But he was consistent in praying for them along with a number of other people and a number of other issues. Are you consistent in your praying for the brothers or sisters that God has made part of your circle? Do you pray for the brothers and sisters in Christ who are part of your family, your brothers, your sisters, your, your children who are part of your immediate family? Do they pray for your spiritual family, brothers or sisters in Christ there? You know, a little hard to do that if you're part of such a big family that you're in mega auditoriums. <laughs> you can pray sort of a broad general prayer, but how do you pray specifically? You can't. But are you praying for that church functioning body that you know? And are you praying daily for it? Well, a good challenge for us. Join me tomorrow, Lord willing, as we look further at this, read on into verses 11 and 12 where Paul describes his goals and his reasons, his motivations for wanting to get to Rome and to spend some time with those Roman believers. Join me then, won't you? God bless.